Oh yeah, well, get a load of this. I'm shameless. Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks ain't worth a damn. His wife used to be really hot 30 years ago. Would you say this stuff was? Welcome to Richard's Radio Adventures. My name is Richard, KB5JBZ. Well, I'm sorry uh, for taking a little while to get this out. Uh, we've had other projects we were trying to get uh, out into the public eye, as it were. Um, uh, strangely enough, was an episode, a uh, podcast that I tried to start with my father back uh, about the time uh, we started Linux in Hamshack, and I just decided to pull them out of the archives and stick them up on the website. So if y'all want to go over and check out, strangely enough, it's uh, it's available over there. It's got its own particular section and that kind of stuff. So um, you can go check it out if you're interested in kind of unusual news articles. Uh, it was always meant to be more, but. Uh, eight episodes, what can you say? So, uh, while I was doing that, unfortunately, I, I realized, because I was looking at uh, the Resonant Frequency website, and I looked at the logo on the, or not the logo, but the motto or the secondary uh, part of the header where it says, uh, Elmering one episode at a time. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I stole Jerry Taylor's motto from his website. And I got to thinking about it and I went I got went to digging around and I got to looking and yeah, it's very close. I believe it was, uh, oh, I can't even remember what it is right offhand now, but it's very close to Elmering one episode at a time. So, oh my God, I have stolen Jerry Taylor's logo or uh, motto. Uh, Y'all may remember Jerry. He uh, he had the Practical Amateur Radio podcast. Uh, Jerry KD0BIK. And I'm not sure what he's up to lately when I first got back on the air or uh, first put uh, our website up again. I uh, went around looking for some of the guys I used to know and um, I can't find anything but old episodes on Jerry. So Jerry, if you're out there listening, buddy, uh, 
let us know. Uh, I think I sent you an email ask you how you's doing. You responded pretty good, and I uh, really don't want to lose that connection. So, um, that brought me to thinking about, and y- y'all trust me, we're getting to some actual amateur radio stuff in this one. I, I just want to uh, want to talk about this a few minutes first. Back when we started resonant frequency the amateur radio podcast um most of all i wanted to see if i could do it you know i'm they tell me i'm a reasonably smart fella and i got to thinking you know all these other folks are out there doing it at the time and it was during the first big podcast surge and all these other folks were out there doing it i should have been able to do it also so, I ended up getting myself a USB microphone, plugging it into my computer. I was actually hosting the website on my personal, one of my personal computers at my house and uh, allowing folks to download that way. Uh, I found out very quickly that uh, they were going to overload my system uh as far as you know that was back when if you ran too terribly much more than your allotted uh bandwidth they would charge you extra for it every month so i made myself a plan sorry y'all getting a little dry um i set myself a plan and uh Initially, I went to a couple of places, bounced between a few places, and ended up over at uh, the people who host us now, and uh, it's worked out a lot better. However, I've said all this to bring us to what I'm going to say now, which is I got to thinking about all the guys and the landscape of amateur radio when I started Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. Now, this was back in 2006, 2005, maybe even 2007, somewhere thereabouts. And unfortunately at the time, the reason I came up with the concept of Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast is because I went and listened to the other podcasts that were available for amateur radio operators. Well, we had one guy out there that all he did was homebrewing equipment. And, in fact, his show was called Solder Smoke. And it wasn't a bad show. (laughs) It was actually very good. If what your interest in the hobby was had to be homebrewing your own equipment. There was also another one called uh, Long Delayed Echoes. And Long De- Delayed Echoes, I, I listened to probably a half a dozen of the episodes that were not consecutive. Okay. But the way it came off for me is that it was a more of a history of amateur radio than anything else. And... It was very well done. It was. Uh, 
that's one of the reasons that uh, episode 53 or episode 54 of Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast, turned out to be um, a historical type uh, backstory on amateur radio. But having gone and found these guys, and then the other alternatives were things like the ARRL podcast, which was mostly bulletins and stuff like that. Uh, as you can tell by the way we started out at Resonant Frequency at the first few episodes, um, you know, that was great, but I could pick that stuff up on ready. In fact, I could just go over to the website and get it. And there were other places that were similar. Amateur Radio Newsline. Uh, I believe they're still around, and they were a great source for information on what was going on with amateur radio and that kind of stuff. But then I decided that we probably needed to do something different because I wasn't hearing anything out there that was actually trying to teach people or Elmer people or bring them along in the hobby, uh, try and develop these new freshly licensed hams. So we approached, we ended up evolving into that at resonant frequency after some trial and error. Uh, the very first episode I call the worst podcast episode ever of any podcast that was ever produced is me sitting in my radio room on a headset microphone uh, reading ARRL bulletins with all the lights and stuff off in the house. <laughs> Unfortunately, I tried to eliminate that when we, uh, the first time we reloaded resonant frequency, but everybody kept complaining that they wanted that first episode. So it is available over at the website if y'all want to go listen to it. If you want to hear a really horrible amateur radio podcast, that is the one. But over time, we had so many issues trying to do interviews on the phone. Remember, this was 2005, 2006, and things really didn't necessarily click like they were supposed to. We were using things like... Uh, Skype to do our phone interviews and stuff and it kind of depended on bandwidth and we had kind of a sucky service pro provider out there so we moved from that or from reading news items amateur radio to trying to do interviews via Skype and that kind of stuff and we gradually moved on to um, the Elmering aspect of things. Now, in the past, I've given amateur radio classes and even given, I am proud to say that I have tested um, quite a few amateur radio operators so they could get their license. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Barnacles. Um, but the whole point there is that along the way, I had to wet my whistle. Um, along the way, I met an incredible amount of wonderful, fantastic people that were podcasters. 
and not just in the amateur radio community. Um, people like Gene Steinberger over at the Paracast, I believe they're still in business. Um, uh, Brian Landuke over at the Linux Action Show. Um, oh, goodness. Uh, David Biedney, uh, also over at the Paracast, he, he left before I, I got off there uh, for a while. You know, a lot of these guys that were podcasters back then, I mean, it was kind of the frontier, the uh, Wild West of, of uh, podcasting at the time. And we decided that we would go ahead and teach people because everybody wants to learn stuff, especially amateur radio operators. We, at the time, we didn't have pretty girls running around. So, uh, you know, we kind of focused on the hobby a little more. And... Uh, so, not only did we decide to move to a more Elmering format, we decided that it was time to make amateur radio sexy. And by that, you know, we posted a few pretty girls, and uh, we did our best to try and spice up amateur radio, because, you know, 30 years ago... Well, I take that back, 90, or, or uh, 2006. At this point, that would be 14, 15 years ago. There were, it was very, you could walk through some of the major ham, ham fests and ham conventions in this part of the world, uh, most notably Hamcom, which is held out in the mid-city, mid is Arlington, uh, no, it's in uh, Plano now. At that time, it was in... Uh, in Arlington, Texas, <laughs> right next to where Jerry, Wor Jerry World is now. And you didn't see a lot of ladies walking around the event. And a lot of the guys that would show up there were the same guys that nowadays sit in their, sit in their basement and play video games, sit in their parents' basement and play video games. But the landscape has changed considerably because, oh Lord. Anyway, I could get in, I could get into a whole two hours about that. So let's get back to it. But not only did when we, when we got this show going, did we gather a following pretty quickly. Um, most notably, or the first one that comes to mind for me is a gentleman named uh, Russ. K5TUX, because at one time I did send out a call. I was looking, I was thinking that maybe we probably needed a co-host at Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. Uh, as we moved along, I figured out that it was probably better being a solo show. However, out of that uh, was the genesis of what is still today, Linux in the ham shack. And Russ has really done me proud, by the way. He has uh, taken up the mantle of uh, captain of that ship. And they're getting real close to 400 episodes at this point, I think. So kudos to you, Russ. Uh, I'm really proud. However, back to the story. But I also got to thinking about the guys that came to me because this was a new way of podcasting in the amateur radio community. 
I had people coming to me and asking for advice and wanting pointers and whatever help I could provide in helping them get in, get their own show going. You know, it's impossible for me to remember the entire list, but, you know, I was talking earlier about Jerry Taylor, uh, KD0BIK. He was one of those. And we talked for a while, and I gave him some pointers and, you know, kind of pointed him in the generally the right direction. And he picked up the ball around with it. Turned out to be one of the best amateur radio podcasts I have ever heard, other than my own, of course. You know, no need for modesty here. This is Richard's Radio Adventures. But there was also some guys, uh, well, a fella and his son, who was very young when he got licensed, uh, over at Low SWR. If you can find Low SWR, you probably need to go take a listen to it. Uh, it really was one of the better amateur radio podcasts. And we're talking about non-news, uh, reading you a bunch of news stories type of podcasts. And, you know, I was talking about Solder Smoke. Um, I don't know if that show even exists anymore, but it continued on because there's a call for those types of uh, podcasts. But over at Low SWR, you had Rich, KD0BJK. He's changed his call now, and I, his new call eludes me. But he and his son, <coughs> sorry y'all, Barnacles, KD0BJS was also involved. Uh, there was another young gentleman up uh, almost uh, in Canada, uh, another one up northeast. It was a flourishing of the amateur radio podcasts. And I feel extremely privileged to have been close to the center of this evolution. If y'all go back and listen to some of the early episodes of Resonant Frequency, you'll find there's uh, two episodes where I went over and spent some time with some fellas that were running a podcast that was just kind of a roundtable thing. And quite honestly, that was one of the best experiences of my life. I wish them guys were still in business. But, you know, life gets in the way. We all have to worry about it. I've had run into it myself. I had to, the main reason that Resonant Frequency uh, went out of production was because uh, I had to pay bills more than I could spend the time to do the podcast so just want to let y'all know every one of you has the potential of getting out there but please don't do the same old stale stuff the guys doing things today oh man i'm impressed i see guys out there doing videos i haven't listened to a lot of the actual audio podcasts uh, number one on my list is I want to go ahead and hunker down and listen to a handful of episodes of Low SWR. I hear that one is, uh, is really not that bad. And that guy that you ran QSO Radio, he, uh, let me, uh, throw this in real quick. He invited me on his show 
if you can call it that. Um, he got in touch with me, told me a, a day that he would be able to interview me, and then when I told him that that was not convenient, I never heard from him again. Quite honestly, I hope he's out of business. But he's probably not. I need to go look that up. Okay. So, we've uh, reminisced, and we've tried to let y'all know that We've been doing this a long time, even though we do it in spurts. So let's move on to the MD380 horror story once again. Um, I've been telling you guys that I have had nothing but problems since I purchased this radio. I bricked it. I got it back working. I've been fighting for months to try and get a contact database in it. And it's just not working. And at this point, I might as well have bought a Bofang, <laughs> quite honestly. Now, don't get me wrong. I hear a lot of thing, a lot of good things about the single-banded TYT MD380 radios. A lot of fantastic things. Unfortun unfortunately, they are completely different radios than this dual, ba dual band rig. Y'all excuse me. Now I got the hiccup. Norman's been spiking the punch over here, okay? And I'm not real sure what he's up to, but he's standing over in the corner smiling right now. And I don't know what he's going to get up to next. Sadly, I do miss his brother. But that's something we can go into on a on a different episode. So, this MD380, we have fought with it, fought with it, and fought with it, fought with it. Now, it does what it's supposed to do initially. The basic thing it's supposed to do is transmit and receive. It does it. Um, you can program in channels, and it works. You can talk on those channels. This whole user database thing, I have people telling me, well, why don't you just sit there and look at the hotspot? Well, if I, if I wanted to look at the hotspot, I wouldn't be losing my mind over it. Because, you know, I don't sit here at my desk and look at the hotspots or look at the, uh, the, uh, doggone it, the dashboard on these hotspots so that I know who I'm talking to, when I'm talking to, what I'm talking to, and that kind of stuff. You know, I roam around the house. I roam around outside. Huh. I even go to the mailbox and back. You know, if you're wondering what that's about, refer to some of the other episodes, the more re other more recent episodes, because uh, we are in a compromised position here. However, so I'm trying to get this database into this radio. Now, my AnyTone, I have an AnyTone 878. And a TYT MD UV 380. And the Anytone, oh man, it's a joy to program on this thing. Even though I'm using uh, adapted commercial programming software. And yeah, we're probably going to go over on this. I, I was just looking at the timer. We're probably going to go over a little bit. But. <clears throat> The Anytone, no problem. 
import the user database, get in there and program your channel, do, do what you need to do. Working with the hotspot, no problem. Now, I'm so far away from any of the DMR repeaters that I don't, that's not even an option for me and I don't consider it. In the case of the Anytone, I've been fighting to get a user database in there so I know who I'm talking to for months. So, for those of you who have the TYT MD UV380, I think that's the way all the numbers go, you cannot use any of the aftermarket firmware or firmware put together by the guys to update your radios or most of this other stuff. There are some code plug editors out there that are usable, but the only way, and we finally got it pinned down, we're, um, I'm in a talk, or a, uh, a group over at Groups I.O. I was invited over there because I was having problems, and it's a similar problem to everybody in this group, apparently. And they are currently trying to work through this issue. So, for those of you that have this particular radio, I'm going to convey this information, and then when I get a chance, because things have been, time has been kind of difficult to come by around here, um, you have to update the radio to the most current version. Do not use anything that is for the regular MD-80. I'm talking about the VHF only or the UHF only models. Do not use any of that stuff to try and update your radio or anything else simply because uh, I used the one that was supposed to be the hot rod of this bunch and it ended up bricking the radio after I had had it 24 hours. I spent the next two weeks trying to unbrick it because I really didn't want to think I had spent the money on the thing and couldn't use it. Once you have made that determination, you need to go to the nightmare of a um, firmware or download website area. The TYT website, it's a nightmare to find the right software. But you can get in there and download a file one at a time, uncompress them, and look for what you're trying to find. Now, in this case, for the UV380, what you need to do, and it's going to take me a second to bring it up, but what you need to do is... Here we go. Uh, you need to, first of all, update to the most current version. Now, the most current version we're talking about, I think, is 18.11. And I'm trying to locate that right as, as we're speaking, or as y'all are listening. Now, I'm trying to track it down. Uh, it, the most current version, I believe, is 18.11. Download that. When you do, you'll get the CPS that goes with that version. Or, 
what is it computer programming software now please understand we're talking about adapted software uh, back in the old days all the all the hardware was geared towards guys that were amateur radio operators and it was pretty easy to get the hang of it so you have to have this most current firmware on there now in the process of updating it you may have a crash if you have a crash one thing I will tell you that I learned is that just because the LED is flashing once you put it into firmware programming mode doesn't mean that it is in firmware programming mode because you can turn the radio off turn it back on the LED will flash green and red this does not mean that it's in the proper uh, mode to accept new firmware. So when you try to reflash the radio, make sure that you go through all the steps of getting it into firmware update mode. So flash it with this new firmware. Get the up-to-date CPS. And quite honestly, at this point, I wish I had stopped and gone back and looked which file because anybody, any of y'all that have been over that website, you know their file area is a nightmare to navigate. Um, once you've done that, then you're ready to try and put in the user database. Now, you're going to need to, it, I found that it would probably be easiest, if I could get the stuff to upload, to go over to, and I probably killed, that, oh, here it is. No, it ain't it. <clears throat> it would be easiest to go over to the guy that charges $12 a year to download customized contact lists. And right offhand, I can't remember who he is. But, yeah, we're going to have to get y'all some of this information. However, once you've downloaded contact list, you know it's going to work, okay? And you know it's going to work, and you go to upload it. If you get a message that says uh, something to the effect of Excel, oh, doggone, Excel crash, one way or the other. Guys, I'm really sucking at this episode. However, I'm trying to look at information while I'm talking to y'all. Anyway, it'll show an error, Excel error, uh, because it's looking for libraries for some of the older Microsoft Excel uh, libraries. Oh, look, I finally found it. <laughs> All right. So. If you're missing these libraries, you're going to have a problem getting it to upload this. Now, this is where I'm stuck at the moment. I'm trying to locate a copy. It's been determined in this one uh, group that I'm watching that you need a copy of Excel, which will probably require the whole office suite, but um, you need a copy. <laughs> copy of Excel, which is the 2007 to 2012 Microsoft Office. 
because there's something about the libraries in that run of Microsoft Office that the CPS program pulls from to upload the contact information or the contact database. And there's even a one fella, one fellow over on one of the uh, news groups that has been in contact with TIT, TYT, and they do verify that yes, you need these libraries. Now that's very not very amateur radio, but what can you expect? You know, we've been dealing with a virus they let get loose for. Forever. So, what you'll need to have is a version of one of those Microsoft Office editions. Um, I'm told that there's one guy that, well, I've spoken to or communicated with one guy that says that he was able to do it with Office 360. But everybody else I've talked to says they don't know anybody that's been able to be successful with Office 360. <laughs> so try and uh, try and shoot for 2007-2012. And I'm currently trying to locate a copy of 2007-2012 so I can continue on. I have circumvented all the hurdles except that one. So I'm going to keep y'all updated on that. Now, I've probably bored y'all to death. <laughs> Gone in circles. And all that good stuff. And Norman keeps over, uh, is still over messing with me. Uh, I got Food Dog up here on top of the monitor laughing at me and his buddy Ganesha. You know, Ganesha, he's just not a very emotional guy. He just kind of sits there and holds his hand up. However, um, we've probably exhausted that as much as possible, and y'all probably wish I was more coherent on this. However, I have no idea what this is Gnorman put in my cup, but it's good. So, moving on. Uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, here we go. The continuing story of Rod and Flow. Rod and Flow. If you are listening, I would like to enlighten you. For those of y'all who don't remember Rod and Flo, they're the ones I heard talking on uh, one of the South Texas DMR uh, talk groups a month or two, three back. And they were talking about this, that, and the other, and people telling them they weren't doing real amateur radio and... Uh, their consent, the consensus that was reached in that conversation was, well, you know what? If the internet goes down, we're going to have a bigger problem. Okay. Well, I said I was going to make these folks famous. I'm going to keep talking about them until I, until I see some actual website entries other than my own. Uh, writing flow, if you're listening, uh, I received some feedback on resonant frequency the amateur radio podcast back in the day from a fellow named jody ki4 tve and 
in the email we he was trying to let me know that he had started a radio club at a junior high school in Lafayette, Mississippi. Uh, Lafayette, Mississippi. Why does it say GA behind it? I'm going to say Lafayette, Georgia. Oh, that's right. Lafayette Middle School in Georgia. Okay. The Rambler Radio Club. K-I-4-T-E-Y. And he was going down through the email and he got to the point that, uh, you know, he had let me know that he was helping these kids out. He was helping them get into amateur radio, trying to show them and, and point them the right direction and all that good stuff. I always have the highest, uh, highest regard for people that'll take the time to Elmer other people, especially the young folks, because they're the future of our hobby. Or, well, hobby. I got, I keep saying that. I try to avoid saying hobby because it diminishes what we actually do and ends up having folks come in like Rod and Flow. So, he's talking about this, and uh, then we find out a little bit later that. In the Walker County Messenger in Georgia, which is a newspaper or was, may still be in business, the Walker County Messenger, there was an article about this radio club at this middle school. And it talked about Jody, uh, KI4TVE, if I didn't say it before, and talked about the Rambler Radio Club and all that good stuff. And then they were able to pull a quote. Now, let me put this in context. Robin Flo, like I said, had said something about if the Internet goes down, we will have bigger issues than amateur radio. And I'm sorry, it just kind of sticks in my craw because, uh, you know, right off the top of my head, I work traffic on the... Uh, uh, they call it Northridge Earthquake. We call I call it Loma Prieta because it was more in Loma Prieta. Um, I have worked traffic on that. I worked communications on Hurricane Katrina. Um, I have called multiple uh, Skywarn nets here locally. Uh, if you keep up with what goes on in North Texas. Uh, we have an awful lot of tornadoes and stuff in this area. In fact, there was a big outbreak a few years ago where we had as many tornadoes in the North Texas area as the rest of the states that were in that particular outbreak path and that kind of stuff. It really turns my crank when, uh, well... It gets up my backside, actually, if uh, people diminish what we do by, well, you know, it ain't nothing more than going out and shooting pool or uh, playing table tennis or, I don't know, chasing down a goat out in the field and yell, yeah, yeah, because these guys are retards. <clears throat> so, I continue... And the Walker County Messenger 
took the time to interview former uh, space shuttle astronaut Barbara Morgan, who was a teacher and uh, who actually had some nice words to say about this article in the Messenger or uh, being interviewed for this article in the Messenger where one of the things she said was when the one thing I can depend on when everything else fails is amateur radio. So you're getting this from an astronaut. NASA has had a policy of making sure that all their astronauts were amateur radio licensed or as many as they could get licensed because they know that when all else fails, amateur radio. There's another one of them slogans. When all else fails, amateur radio. We get the message through. We get the information from point A to point B. And I've said it before. You can take a couple of government guys, one from Homeland Security, one from Secret Service, and they can be standing right next to each other and not be able to communicate on the radio, their, their respective radios, because interoperability is a big deal, and they don't have it. We furnish that, on top of other things. So, now I've hopped up on my soapbox, and I've reminisced, and I sure do miss Rich and, uh, Rich and Brady. And Jerry, I wish Jerry and I had time just to kind of sit down and talk, because, good Lord, it's been a long time, a long time. But y'all go out on the Internet. Some of these episodes for their shows are still available, uh, and there's others. Those are the ones that I was able to pull off the top of my head, because the sad part about the Internet nowadays is the stuff starts dropping off of the... Uh, off of the search engines if uh, there's not a lot of activity. Whereas it used to be once it's on the internet, it's, it's there. And it will never go away. Nowadays, if your activity drops off and you're not selling a product, it can disappear just as easily. So, with that... I think we've probably run as long as we can run and reasonably get away with it. I'm sorry about this, folks. This one's really close to a resonant frequency length episode. I do appreciate it, each and every one of y'all. If you get a chance, go over to the website if you're kind of interested in weird news. Uh, we are tracking the... <clears throat> or we were... Sorry, y'all. Barnacles. <clears throat> we were tracking the severed foot migration over there on, uh, strangely enough, when we ended, it, ended production. And we are considering bringing that show back. This one is kind of like, I don't know, kind of like uh, uh, that bad relative you can't get rid of man you can't run him off at holidays <clears throat> we do have plans to try and restart resonant frequency the amateur radio podcast um it will just have to see what kind of input we have 
In fact, input on all three of these shows is greatly appreciated. You can contact me directly at kb5jbv at gmail.com. We also have a resident frequency page on Facebook. Go up search bar, type resident frequency. We have a resident frequency group on Facebook. We are posting our stuff over in DFW Elmer's also at Facebook. There is a Twitter hookup for KB5JBV. Even though I don't check check it as often as I should, there is no reason you can't get a hold of me if you try. So come and see what we're doing. Even go visit the website, rfpodcast.info. And I guarantee you, guarantee you, we're going to try and bring y'all some information and stuff that y'all can use. Strangely enough, for the amateur radio community, it's probably just one of those weird little things, kind of like watching some of that crap over on... <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Watching some of that crap over on Vice TV or something. But you know what? Um, some of it's kind of interesting. And I found out a lot about the uh, separate clip migration, which, if we decide to continue that particular show, we're going to start off with the severed foot migration special. Y'all give me some input. I don't know what y'all need until you tell me. So with that, and like I said, we've approached the resident frequency length podcast thing. Um, I really try to keep these things shorter. So y'all get in touch with me at least to say hello because I always like a little hello it makes the day better and with that I'm going to go back over here and find out what the hell Norman's been putting in my cup and we'll see y'all next time this is KB5JBV we gotta go